Hey now, welcome to another edition of the Inside BS Show. I'm your host, Dave Lorenzo, and today we have a really interesting and enlightening conversation, and you're gonna have homework after the show. That's right, you the listener, you the viewer, you're going to have homework after the show, so you gotta stay with us all the way to the end because you wanna make sure you can do your homework adequately. My guest today is... Terry Clancy, and she's an estate planning attorney, and she's got a really interesting story, and I think that story is going to help make things really clear for you about what you need to do and why you need to do it and the homework that we're going to share with you today. So I appreciate you being here. Thanks for joining us for this edition of the Inside BS Show. Terry, welcome to the show. So your your proper name is Teresa Clancy, but on everything you sent me, you said, call me Terry. So I'm taking the liberty <laughs> of calling you Terry. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And thanks for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. So I, um, I read your story on your website. Please share it with our audience and talk about um, how that kind of made you think a little bit differently about planning for your future. Yeah, so I have been um, an attorney for a long time, but most of my career was spent at the prosecutor's office. So I don't know, about four years ago, um, I was doing something different and trying to figure out what I could do. And, and the one thing people kept asking me if I you know, was able to do their will. And my husband and I didn't have wills and we're both attorneys. Well, actually he's a judge. And, you know, we have four kids, we have a house, you know, we don't have, we're not millionaires or anything like that, but, um, you know, we have enough to protect, right? And we didn't really know much about the process. All we knew was what a lot of people know is like, well, you should have a will if you have kids and, you know, something to protect. So um, we, I started looking into it, started working on doing a, our estate plan. I had drafted some documents and was working on a friend's. And my husband um, was in great health at the time. Like he literally had biked 20 miles the day this happened. He had run 10, no, he had biked 50 miles the day this happened, 10 miles before. I mean, he was the picture of health. And 1130 at night, I had gone to bed first and I wake up to what I thought was him snoring. But it turned out that when I, you know, tried to wake him up to, you know, have him roll over, he didn't respond. And it was a really weird snoring sound. So I said, that is really, really weird. I got up out of bed. I kind of came around his side of the bed to really wake him and still no response. So, you know, right away, I'm like, this is not right. So I right away called an ambulance and they get you, they keep you on the phone and they're like, okay, you have to do CPR. I'm like, okay. And you need to take your husband off the bed and get him on a hard surface. And I said, well, he's like almost 200 pounds. How am I going to do that? And he's, you know, unconscious. And they're like, you just have to pull him off the bed. So I pull him off the bed. I let him drop. And then I start performing CPR on him. Meanwhile, our teenager kids are kind of filtering into the room, seeing their mom perform CPR on their dad. And um, an ambulance is on the way. And I could, you know, see where it was coming from. But unfortunately, I'd stopped at a neighbor's house instead of our house, which as you can imagine, every minute seems to count in these kinds of scenarios. So, you know, I kept, I was on the call with 911 person. I'm like, you're, you're at the wrong house. You're at the wrong house. So then they finally get here and they get up to our bedroom and, you know, they take over. But at this line, this time he flatlines 
And so they'd bring out the, um, you know, the, the paddles to jump his heart back to. And uh, luckily they do get a pulse. And then they have, you know, take this 200 pound man down like a small, we have an old house, kind of a narrow staircase and off to the hospital he goes. And we have no idea. He's never regained consciousness through all this. We have no idea how long he'd been um, unconscious since I'd gone to bed first. And so we wind up at the hospital and the very first thing they ask me is if he has healthcare directives. And embarrassingly in front of all my kids, I have to say, no, he doesn't. And you know, I have to make these decisions that you'd normally make for yourself ahead of time in the healthcare directive, have to make it for him, just guessing what I think he'd want. And so, um, you know, luckily they were able to find the blockage. They performed um, angioplasty surgery, but it still remained how much oxygen had been deprived and didn't know if he was going to regain consciousness or be a vegetable the rest of his life. I mean, it was kind of touch and go. He was in, you know, the ICU for a few days and there were times throughout that time that, you know, his, um, he was, you know, having AFib, which is, you have to take out the paddles again. I mean, it was a pro it was awful. And the, f the thing that kept going through my mind is like, oh my God, like I don't have access to some of his accounts, right? And I'm, I mean, obviously I was going through like, oh my God, what would happen if he died? And then, but I knew what would happen because I had started doing all this stuff and knew like things could be really bad. I could inherit all of his accounts with my kids. I could be owning my house with my kids if it wasn't set up correctly. And so that made me kind of a true believer about doing estate planning where it really is the difference between having a couple of documents and not going to court and not having those documents and having to go to court. So that's the backstory. Wow. So um, thank you for sharing that with us. Is he, is he, you know, back to full health now? He's okay now? Yeah. So because he was in such good shape prior to the heart attack, he never had to do rehab, which is pretty unusual for most heart patients. And yeah, he's back to running, biking, like he bikes 90 miles in one day on a weekend. So he's still in really good shape. You know, I think, you know, just sometimes stress catches up with somebody. He also had um, not been to, you know, not been to the doctor on a regular basis. So they might have found out that he had high cholesterol. We'll never know mm. if prior to that time he had high cholesterol. But um, so, you know, it's another another suggestion besides getting your estate plan done is to, you know, Check in regularly with your physician. <laughs> and how old how old was he when when this happened? He was fifty seven, so, so he was so he's a young, young man. He's and, a young guy. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Well, one of the reasons why I wanted Terry to tell that story is because you are no different. The per I'm talking to you now. The people who are listening, the people who are watching, you are no different than Terry or than me, right? It's gonna take a life event for you to get your documents together. And until that life event happens, you're gonna be the happy wanderer, just going through life, thinking everything is fine. And then on that one day, the people you care about the most are either gonna to have to make some terrible decisions, some really difficult decisions, or they're gonna to need to know where stuff is and it's not written out, or they're gonna to need to know how to take care of the stuff you have if you're not around, or they're gonna have to fight to get back the stuff they already have going through the probate process. So, in fact, Terry, that's this is a good this is a good place to start. 
explain to people what the probate process is. You're you're an Illinois attorney, and you know on all these shows when I interview attorneys, we put a little disclaimer. Terry's not giving you legal advice, right? You need to go see your own attorney for legal advice. But she's educating us on what's going on in the in the world in her practice area. So Terry. Give, tell what is the, what is the probate process and how does it work and why should people be aware of it? Well, I think the biggest misconception about probate is that a will will keep you out of it, which really doesn't matter. I mean, it's good to have a will because it gets your stuff to who you want to go to and you are able to put somebody in charge of gathering that stuff and distributing it. But whether your assets have to go through the probate process, which is a court process to distribute your assets, depends on what assets you own at your death rather than whether you own a will or not. And in Illinois, there are two different types of assets that will trigger probate court. One is any real estate held in your name individually. So if you own your property uh, with a spouse or a partner, you're likely having it set up so you would automatically inherit the property from each other. But if something happened to the both of you or, um, God forbid, your deed doesn't have that scenario on it, which is called joint tenancy or tenancy by the entirety, or, of course, if you own your property alone, then in order to move the property from your name, who, you know, who is now a deceased person, into the name of a living person, you will have to go through the probate process to get there, likely. And then the other triggering asset is any assets in aggregate, so all together, that aren't beneficiary designated, which usually excludes, you know, 401ks and IRAs and life insurance, but typically includes stock accounts, businesses, bank accounts, savings accounts, all of that in aggregate. If it's more than $100,000, that'll trigger probate court. And is there, uh, is there a planning process you can put in place to avoid that? Because I would imagine probate, going through probate, is, it's got to be expensive, right? It's expensive. It delays distribution by at least six months. But I think a lot of attorneys will say that it could be up to a year. And during the pandemic, it was even longer. Um, and then, if you know, of course, it's public, so everybody knows about it. And, um, and it, you know, and it's just an added layer. It's not going to take the place of your person who's gathering your stuff and distributing it. It's now they have an additional layer of dealing with an attorney and dealing with the court system to add to all of that other stuff. So uh, there are a couple ways you can do it. Um, if you don't own any real estate and you just have, you know, bank accounts, stock accounts, you, you should you usually can find some way to beneficiary designate all of those accounts, you know, maybe not a business, but um, the problem with doing that is if you have younger kids, they would inherit everything, at least in Illinois, at 18. So that might not be the best solution. And, you know, that also is, you know, if, if you have six people that you want to inherit and they all, you know, inherit um, like a business together, although that's pretty unlikely scenario, but, you know, so who's in charge kind of thing. If you have beneficiary designations on things, um, sometimes that becomes a problem. So what I usually suggest to people if they own any real estate or if they have young kids is to create what's called a revocable trust. And it's also known as a living trust. And it is a pretty, you know, pretty easy thing to set up when you're working with an attorney. They will do a lot of the work for you. You're just making decisions and giving, you know, information. And then once it's set up, then it'll kind of encase your assets, kind of like an empty box. You'll put your assets into the box by retitling them. And then 
the pro or the um, trust document guides those assets rather than probate court. And is so in a in a living trust, does that have to have a separate like bank account and be fully funded as if uh, like as I know in in the case of uh, my parents who are uh, who are in, in, at an advanced age now, their assets are in an irrevocable trust that my sister and I uh, control. We manage and that had to be obviously fully funded and you know it, it acts as a separate entity is a is a, a living trust the same thing no a living trust is a revocable trust right era- but does it have to have like a, a bank account and a separate like a like, is a completely separate entity or no it is a separate entity but it is not nearly as complicated and as restrictive as an irrevocable trust is okay during your lifetime if you're the one setting up the trust, you're the trustee. You don't have to have somebody come in and manage things for you, and you're the beneficiary. So, um, and it's your social security number that is the trust number. So it's not real complicated as far as that is concerned. And really, it's not complicated to get funded. Largely, the attorney will typically do the deed for you as far as your real estate is concerned. And then a lot of times with other assets, you usually have a digital presence. Sometimes you'll have a financial advisor who will help you get those things set up. And it really isn't nearly as complicated as it like once was when we were not in a digital world. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's that's all um, really good advice that people should take advantage of. What What life events typically will trigger these types of conversations because I know that I've had these conversations with friends and family members with when they get married, the birth of a child, that sort of thing. Is there, you know, is there any time that's better than another time to bring up planning for, you know, these types of scenarios? Uh, Well, in my opinion, everyone should start when they're 18. And you should have at least a power of attorney healthcare that lets you name someone to make medical decisions for you at an incapacity, so like a parent. And then as you go through life and life events start occurring, you start kind of filling out your estate plan in a sense. So yes, if you have a child, you should have a will because that is where, at least in Illinois, that is where you'd put the guardianship designations if something were to happen to you know the parents then this would be somebody who would step in that role. And I I think not doing that is putting a lot of stress on a family because, um, you know, you're the one who knows your kids best. You're the one who knows who would be the best parent for your kids. And now they have to do, do a guessing game of who they think would be best. And perhaps there's even, you know, infighting about that. And you know, they would have just followed whoever you suggested. So um, it's just so much easier for you to set that up than for them to get into that role and try to do a guessing game of who would be the best person and then the guilt game of, oh, it didn't work out so well, the kid didn't turn out the way we thought they would, and maybe that whole guessing game was, you know, a bad, you know, we, we chose the wrong person, essentially. Yeah, so, um, Terry, I'm going to ask you now, to think really hard about some of the questions you ask your clients when they come in that most people wouldn't think of. 
right? Because your your role is to to turn over all the rocks, right? Your role is to figure, you know, you you have seen all the scenarios, you know the possible scenarios for, you know, what could happen to people. So your job is to, you know, to help people plan for the things they didn't think about. I want you to think about the questions that you ask people where they sit back and they go, wow, I'm so glad I'm here and I'm so glad you asked me that because I would have never thought of that. And before you answer those questions, I need to let people know that our show today is brought to you by Sandrowski Corporate Advisors. Since 1983, Sandrowski Corporate Advisors has provided expert client service to folks all over the United States. Now, they have offices in Detroit and Chicago, but they work everywhere. In fact, I just referred them to someone in New York City. I referred them a few weeks ago to folks out in California. And if you're wondering who I'm referring Sandrowski Corporate Advisors to, well, they do a lot of things in the area of accounting. And two of the things they do and two of the things that I refer them for all the time are forensic accounting. And I refer them out business valuations all the time. Now, why do I refer these things to them? Well, because they've been doing it for so long and they have so much experience. So forensic accounting comes into play where, let's say you have, in fact, this was the case that I connected them with just recently. You have two partners and the partners are in the process of breaking up the business. And the one partner is not so sure that the partner who controlled the books in the business was really playing it straight. So we brought Sandrowski in to look at the books to make sure that everything was on the up and up. So they're in the process of doing that now. We also bring Sandrowski in all the time. I introduce them to family law attorneys with whom I work and family law attorneys that I know, and they do business valuations. So if there's a business that is at issue in a contentious divorce and the one spouse says the business is worth X and the other spouse says the business is worth Y, you need somebody to come in and really truly value the business and testify to that value in court if necessary. Sandrowski's perfect for this. They've been doing that for years and years and years. So if you are an attorney and you have contentious litigation that involves accounting or you have litigation that you need a forensic uh, review of or you need a good business valuation, give Sandrowski Corporate Advisors a call. You can reach them at 866-717-1607, 866-717-1607. We're also brought to you by My Revenue Roadmap Guide. I want to give you a gift to thank you for watching, to thank you for listening. That gift is a business development plan. If you're a professional or you're in a business that relies on relationships for the bulk of your revenue, my Revenue Roadmap Guide will help you grow your business quickly, and it's absolutely free. Just go to revenueroadmapguide.com, enter your contact info there, and you can download the guide for free and customize it. This is the same guide I go through with my clients to help them grow their businesses. It's my gift to you to thank you for watching, to thank you for listening to the show. revenueroadmapguide.com, enter your contact info there. My guest today is Terry Clancy. Teresa Clancy Law is the name of her firm. You can call her at 708-819-1580, 708-819-1580. She's already given us some really good thoughts on how to organize our estate plan, how to plan for the future. Now, Terry, before I just read those pieces there, I asked you, 
What are the questions that just knock people out of their socks when they come into your office and they go, Terry, I'm so glad you asked me that. I'm really glad I'm here. What questions do you ask that people should be asking themselves? Well, I mean, who's going to go in the seats, right? So you have, if you have a spouse or a partner, typically that's the person who's going to be backing you up if something happens to you. But then who's backing that person up? And, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be the same person for financial and healthcare and guardian. They can be three different sets of people. And, you know, and if they are a person who is for like financial, who is older, sometimes younger people choose their parents. Well, maybe it's a good idea to back up a parent. And I know that sounds like, you know, a lot of backups, but you never, you know, things happen in life. And so it's kind of good to have it already set up. Then they have to go back and amend the documents to change things. And then for healthcare, I like people to have somebody backing them up even if it's a double backup that's uh, within driving distance of wherever they're living, because you kind of want somebody boots on the ground if something were to happen to, you know, and you and your spouse or partner travel around together. So that's a scenario that does happen to people. And it's kind of nice to have somebody there talking to the healthcare team, even if they're, you know, not the person that you would initially want to make all the decisions, at least there's somebody there. Um, and then I think a lot of people think of Guardian and they just, it, they go blank. That's why a lot of times they don't even do estate planning because they just can't make a decision. And my suggestion to them is just to plan for the next three to five years. Who would be the best guardian right now? You could drive yourself crazy thinking about my child's three. Who would be the best guardian at 16? You just can't go there because you'll never get anything accomplished. So if you just think of three to five years, who would be the best guardian? And then name that person, maybe name a backup you can always change it if you know if that's great let it ride if it's not change it in you know three to five years so those are some and then the one thing that you know is kind of far-fetched but we still always plan for it is if something catastrophic happened to all of you and all of your children all at the same time with the partner who would benefit from your assets in that scenario but you know that's not something that's too worrisome yeah. Yeah. Um, Terry, really quick, while you were going through those, I thought of um, two, two family members that are really important to me, really important to my family. And they're a, they're a same sex couple. They're married. They're in New Jersey. How is estate planning for same sex couples different? Is it different in Illinois from planning for, you know, traditional or heterosexual couples? Well, I mean, if they're married, it's it's absolutely not, not different. And if they have a domestic, if they have some kind of legal partnership, it's also not different. Um, you know, and, and then it would just be kind of similar to somebody who was not married, but heterosexual, you know, you, you still can do some planning in, in, in our country, there's always a benefit to making things legal. And that's true in estate planning as well. But, um, you know, you still can do the estate planning to get things set up because unfortunately the way the law works, is if you don't have a plan, it has a plan for you as far as distribution of your assets to people that you know are related to you. And so if that person is not related to you legally, they would be out of the picture essentially. So you would, you know, in that case, if you had a, a partner, regardless of your sexuality, um, and they're not planned for in your estate plan, and they're not legally bound to you, they might not, they might essentially be disinherited. And, you know, nobody wants that. So, yeah. So it, it makes sense. This, this is important for everybody, regardless of your, you know, where you are, who you love, what your life is, uh, what you're going through in your life. You need to take care of this now. 
All right, so Terry, tell me a little bit about what, what, what is what is the the birthday book and what's the what's the power club? I've heard you I've heard you mention that. What are what are these things and, and what should we know about them? So as I said, I am a kind of a estate planning true believer. I believe you should start your estate plan, you know, essentially having one document at, at 18, which is the power of attorney healthcare, allowing somebody to make medical decisions for you at your incapacity. And as healthcare laws tighten, especially, you know, in the States, it is harder and harder to get access to information of those you love, including your children. So, um, if anyone has a child who's turned 18, it's like the door shuts on access to any of their healthcare information. And it is really difficult to get access to it if you're not um, get, having a release from that child. You know, and I suppose there is emergency situations. If you're there and the physician can see who you are and you can identify yourself, they will automatically give you that information as next of kin. But if you're calling on the telephone and you can't identify yourself and they don't know who you are, I think a lot of um, healthcare teams would would you know defer to their best interest over whatever you say because they don't know who you are and maybe you're you know a person who is not entitled to any of that information. So the Birthday Book and Power Club is about getting a healthcare power of attorney to an 18-year-old when they turn 18. So you would turn 18 and you would typically be a senior in high school. And it kind of is about adulting, right? Because a lot of kids are really worried about getting into the adult world. And this would be a way for them to have the opportunity to do a power of attorney healthcare document, learn some information about um, adulting from a alum from high school who's, you know, maybe three or four years older than you. And then also getting a book that would be about adulting. So it'd be kind of a party for the 18 year olds in the, the month in which they're turning 18, encouraging them to embrace adulthood essentially, instead of shy away from it. Uh, unfortunately, because of the pandemic and the construction at the high school in my neighborhood, we have had uh, many stop and starts to this program. So it have, hasn't actually come to fruition, but I have every intention of continuing to pursue it uh, next year so that it can come to fruition. Oh, that's a, that's so great. I mean, I think it's, I think it's a great idea. Um, you know, I, I appreciate you doing it and I'm sure the other parents appreciate you doing it. That's wonderful. Now talk a little bit about the, ha, this subject is a lot of people tell me it's very difficult for people to bring up. I, I don't find it to be difficult because I, I, you know, everything for me is about a story and I tell a story from my own family where, Unfortunately, my grandfather, um, you know, as he, as he his uh, a, as he advanced in years, he had a medical event and he was unable to communicate his wishes. And my mother and my aunt, her sister, had conflicting views as to what his wishes would be, and it was a very difficult time for them and for our family. That's when my parents put their wishes down, and that's when they took this process very, very seriously. I tell that story to get into a conversation with people about why they should do these things. How do you coach people to, you just gave us a great example with, uh, with high school kids at, at age 18, but how do we, so we have people we love, we have people we care about who are new parents, or we have people we love, people we care about who, are, who have just gotten married. How do we bring up their death and get them to talk about their death when they're going through a very happy time in their lives. 
Yeah, you know what, I want people to think about estate planning as, you know, like getting insurance for your home. So you buy homeowner's insurance, you know, literally the day you take possession of a home, but you don't worry the next day that it's going to catch on fire. And I think that if you get these, um, the plan in place and you create some of these documents to be insurance in a sense for you, you're, you know, now they're there, you can stop worrying about things and just live your life. And I think that people, you know, are anticipating, anticipating, anticipating the worry of this, which if you just took action, you know, it would be behind you, not always on your to-do list. And so I think telling my story, telling other client stories of how things can go totally sideways is one way to, um, to encourage them to do it. But I think the other is just almost telling them how easy it's going to be, how, you know, it's not going to take nearly as much work to set up that, you know, you're going to feel a lot more confident and happy when you're done. The one thing that all of my clients have ever said, it's been on the to-do list. And the one thing they've said when they're done is, oh, that was a lot easier than I thought it would be. <laughs> well, yeah, because you're doing all the work, Terry. <laughs> That's why it's easy for the clients. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, and it's fun. I mean, I, I love this stuff. I love learning about people's lives. I mean, we talk a lot more, I think, about people's lives than we do about their death, mm -hmm. which is kind of fun. And that's the real moral of the story here is that this is about this is about your life, you know, and that, you know, you raise that that raises an interesting point. Talk, talk a little bit for me about the asset protection, um, the asset protection, for lack of a better word, angle on estate planning. Right. The some of the things you do for people to help them also protects their assets in the event of a lawsuit or, you know, somebody who's who's coming after them for some reason. Um, explain what I'm, what I'm talking about to people a little bit, if you don't mind. I mean, yes, there is asset protection. You can put, and I think more people think about it more as having protection from having to pay estate taxes than having to worry about somebody suing them and taking their house. Cause I think the best, really some of the best asset protection in that instance is just having some good insurance. Um, but you know, of course there are situations where you're worried, especially if it looks like having a nursing home on your horizon is going to be in the picture. And then unfortunately you can't qualify for government benefits if you have too much money. So probably in that instance, like your family did, is they want to protect certain assets, but you have to do it ahead of time. Otherwise you're penalized. So, you know, if that is on your horizon, you can start planning for that situation ahead of time so that you don't get into that trick bag of having too many assets and now not qualifying for the benefits you're hoping to get. Sure. Now you have a, you, you and my wife share something uh, in common. My, my wife is a fantastic cook. In fact, she has uh, something that she makes that's going to be in the, in the um, South Beach Food and Wine Festival in a few weeks. She was invited to participate. So we're all really excited about that. But you, like my wife, are a big, you're a big fan of the Barefoot Contessa. So talk a little bit about some of the things that you do for fun and talk about the Barefoot Contessa cook-off. And are you, are you participating in that or have you? What's, the, what's your relationship with the Barefoot Contessa? So I love Ina Garden. She is the Barefoot Contessa. I probably have made, she has... 14 cookbooks, I think, and I own every single one of them, and I've probably made 75% of the recipes. Wow, I, good for it you. Just, 
Yeah, it's just so reliable because she just is, she's a scientist. So she tests out her recipes in like in very specific formats. Like, okay, I'm going to test both a half a teaspoon of salt and a quarter teaspoon of salt and which one is better. Um, so you can, you know, rely on those recipes. So I kind of became a huge fan throughout my life and making her um, recipes. And I wanted to do something for her to kind of showcase all of the knowledge that I've gotten and celebrate her. And I had been watching the show Julia and Julia, which is about Julia Child and Julie Paul, who ended up making every recipe in Julia Child's uh, French cooking book over the course of a year. So I, I thought, well, I don't really want to follow that exactly, but I would love to just do something for Anna. So I came up with this idea of we, uh, we assign, we have this event and we assign every single recipe from one cookbook. They're typically around 85 to 90 recipes. And each woman, cause it's a woman based, um, organ, woman based, um, event, each woman is assigned a recipe and then they make it at home and they bring it to our party essentially. So you have like 90 different recipes to taste and then everyone tastes them. And then we vote on which one is best in each category. And then there are prizes based on who made that recipe. But it's a great way to kind of showcase Ina. And I have some friends who bring the cookbook with them so they can make notes on their cookbook about the recipes they like the most. But it just is a fun event. Wow, that's terrific. I, I mean, I so I can tell that you are... I mean, you must be a terrific cook because the attention to detail and just that description alone and the fact that you are uh, a fan of the Barefoot Contessa because the recipes are proven and they work. That tells me a lot about you. It says a lot about you as, a, as an attorney, too, that you have specific focus and attention to detail in your practice because you care so much. And it's the same thing with your cooking. So that's that's excellent. That's fantastic. I'm uh, I'm I'm actually that was a that was a really great story. I'm glad you told it. Thank you. Um, so talk to us a little bit now about the any any concerns that you see on the horizon i hear and and i you know i'm i almost i almost hesitate to bring this up because it's almost like a a political can of worms but you know this the, the estate tax is is something that i hear brought up by people all the time and most people don't really first of all they don't know what it is second of all uh there there are state specific estate taxes um and it's most people who worry about this, it's never going to be triggered in their case. Explain to people who are listening today what the estate tax is and who needs to worry about it and who doesn't need to be concerned about it. Well, there's two different sets of estate tax, at least in Illinois, the one federal and then Illinois state, state estate tax. So federally, the, the limit now is I think $12 million a person, they just jumped because of uh, inflation. And most people don't have to worry about that because not only do you have your 12 million, you have your spouse's 12 million and you can take their 12 million. So now you have 24 million if you're married, 12 million if you're not. And just that's just not the reality for most people. And um, the Illinois estate tax is $4 million a person. And unfortunately, you can't borrow your spouses as easily as you can the federal. So you kind of have to plan for them using their exemption. I mean, it still is not 
a, a worry for many people, especially if you are, you know, on the other side of 50 years old and you already know how much money you have and you're more worried about drawing your money down than building your money up. But it is a worry for younger people whose 401ks have, you know, gone uh kind of through the roof these last couple of years and they could see the potential of, of hitting those um, thresholds. And, you know, there certainly are people who are over 50 who are worried about it as well. And I think the, you know, the best way to do is just to plan for it, make some decisions about how you're going to address it if that is what happens at your death. Of course, we never know how much we're going to own at our death. But um, I think for the vast majority of people, it it really isn't a worry. It's maybe a worry that is possible, but not likely. And so um, that is something that people think about when they do their estate planning, but more they're worried about getting things set up so that it's easy for who's going to handle stuff when they're gone. All right. Thanks for the explanation. I appreciate it. So all of you who are out there and you worry about this issue and you vote on this issue, Federally, 24 million. If you're in Illinois, it's 4 million. And if you're worried about the 4 million, go see Terry and she'll, and uh, Terry and a good financial advisor, and they'll help you work it out. They'll help you uh, plan for not giving the government one penny more than you absolutely positively have to. All right, Terry, I'm going to ask you to do something for me now. I'm going to ask you to think of three things, three things you want people to take away from our time together today. They could be personal. They could be work-related. But three things that you think are the most important things that we raised during the show. And while you're thinking of that, I'm going to once again remind everyone that we are brought to you by Sandrowski Corporate Advisors. They're a sponsor of the show. They help me and they help my clients prepare for what could potentially be a difficult situation with our business. So let's say you're going to sell your business and you're going to get walloped with taxes when you sell your business. Well, if you call Sandrowski Corporate Advisors, they can do an analysis and determine if your business is structured appropriately so that you can minimize your tax exposure upon a sale. There's a specific access, that you have specific access to a law for qualified small businesses that can reduce your tax exposure. But here's the thing, it does require advanced planning. In most cases, it requires at least five years of advanced planning for you to structure your business in a way that will minimize your tax exposure when you go to sell it. Is your business eligible for this? Could you be in an industry that could help with this process? Yes, but you need to call Sandrowski in order to find out. I want you to call 866-717-1607, 866-717-1607. Reach out to them and say, hey, listen, I'm thinking about selling my business down the road and I heard Dave Lorenzo talk about the qualified small business exemption. Can you look at my business and see if I'm eligible? Sandrowski, they're experts in this. They've been doing this for a long time. They've helped people save, I can't even tell you, millions and millions of dollars and they can help you as well, 866-717-1607. Also remember, the Revenue Roadmap Guide, my free gift to you. I want you to download your copy right now, revenueroadmapguide.com. It's a business development plan for you, and it's absolutely free. It's the same plan I use with my clients. All you need to do is go to revenueroadmapguide.com, enter your contact info. You can download the guide right there. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for viewing the show. All right, Terry, what are the three things, the three big things that people should take away from our time together today? 
Well, I think one, if estate planning is on your to-do list, um, you are gonna feel great to get it checked off and it's going to likely be a lot easier and less expensive than you are thinking it will be, so get going. Number two is that if it's not on your um, to-do list, do a little investigating because frankly, you can get things set up right now without even entering into an estate plan that will make life easier on the people who you leave behind. You know, and maybe you'll eventually end into, you know, move into the estate plan to-do list uh, threshold. But for right now, just do a little investigation. You can get things set up so that you can make it a little easier on people who you leave behind. And then lastly is if you have never tried a Barefoot Contessa cookbook recipe, you should because, you know, I would say almost every single recipe will turn out great and um, you'll be happy that you did. Oh, Terry Clancy, Teresa Clancy Law. It has been a pleasure. If you want more great information, if you, if you want actual legal advice, from Terry Clancy, here's the number you need to call, 708-819-1580, 708-819-1580. We're gonna put all of her contact info. If you're an email person, I'll put her email. Everything will be down in the show notes. I'll put her website uh, down in the show notes. You can see her beautiful family. She's got a great picture of her family there. Terry, it has been an absolute pleasure. You gave us so much knowledge. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thanks for inviting me. I was happy to be here. Uh, Terry, thank you so much. And that'll do it for another episode of the Inside BS Show, folks. Thanks for joining us today. We're back here again tomorrow with another great interview for you. Until then, I'm Dave Lorenzo, and here's hoping you make a great living and live a great life.